As record numbers of foreign nationals pour across our southern border, many of them unaccompanied minors and as difficulties abound amid this pandemic, problem on problem on problem, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki deflects any questions. She wants to talk about the past administration and specifically the morality problem that they had at the border. Thank you, Jen. Uh, you've been telling migrants from right there for a month now, all the way back to February 10th, that now is not the time to come, but they are coming in bigger numbers every day. So do you have a messaging problem? Well, I would say that in the last administration, we had a morality problem and uh, children were being pulled from the arms of their parents and kids were being set, uh, sent back on a treacherous journey. And that's not the approach of this administration. So certainly we understand that means there will be more kids who are crossing the border. We made a policy decision that that was the right humane step to take. But I think it's also important for people to understand that the vast majority of people who come to our border are turned away, are sent back uh, to their countries. What we're talking about here are unaccompanied children. Wait, 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 wait. So the problem is the last administration would send a lot of people back. And this is very different, even though the Biden administration is going to send people back. And the last administration ripped children away from their parents. And this administration is ripping children away from their parents. And uh, the reason for this is they need to vet everybody. So they've already admitted to that part. And the past administration with the morality problem, they were putting kids in cages. And the Biden administration, okay, sure, it's, it's putting kids in cages. But, you know, they, but they're being really, really nice about it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Cricket Scorzani, who says, Jen Psaki has the most difficult job in America, convincing everyone that the emperor has clothes. That is what's going on. And it is why I uh, feel for her. I, you know, if I had that job, it would be tough to get out of bed in the morning. It already is tough to get out of bed because I sleep on my pillow. My pillow makes the greatest pillows ever, period. That's it. That's it. That's all. I know that a lot of people have an affinity for my pillow because they share the politics of my pillow. You know, the company has been in the political news. I would buy my pillow pillows if it were a communist company. I'm so I'm not proud of that fact. It's just that they are so good. They don't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want. They maintain their shape. They are made in the USA. If you do not have a my pillow, if you know someone who doesn't, now is the time to get one because for a limited time, MyPillow is offering their premium MyPillows for their lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium MyPillow regularly $69.98 for only $29.98. That's $40 in savings. Kings are only $5 more. Absolutely love it. Sleep on it every night. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listeners square. There you will find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and the MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-651-1148. Use promo code DAILYWIRE. Go check out MyPillow today. This is a prime example of the emperor has no clothes. The Biden administration, by any measure, by the standards of the right and the standards of the left, the immigration policies here are worse than the Trump administration's immigration policies. The immigrant, the effect on immigration worse than under the Trump administration. And Jen Psaki has to say, no, well, but it's different. 
it's different. This is, I don't know if you've seen that meme on the internet of Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man and accusing one. That is what's happening here. She's, she, she is trying to deflect from this obvious point that the immigration problem, every problem associated with it has gotten much, much worse under Joe Biden. And the way she deflects on this is she says, well, we have better morals, better morals. Well, what is her example of having better morals? She tries to dance around these issues, but what we have seen from other Biden advisors and even from Jen Psaki in the last few days is in practice, the Biden administration is doing exactly the same stuff that the Trump administration did. They're just, they're doing it worse. They're doing it less effectively, but they're, they're doing the same policies. So the morality can't be, it, it can't have to do with their actions. It just has to do with their speech, just has to do with the way that they're talking about it. They're talking about how we need to be generous to the unaccompanied minors and we're, we have a heart and we're being compassionate. But in terms of what they're actually doing, there's no difference. This is something actually that I talk about in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, that one of the, the, the campaign of political correctness seeks to replace the old moral order with new speech codes, replaces moral codes for speech codes. And so the emphasis goes away from what you do to what you say. That's why they're always policing every little syllable that we say, taking focus off of what we actually do. Now, some Biden advisors are a little more honest than Jen Psaki. Uh, National Security Council official Roberta Jackson is asked at the White House, is this a crisis at the border? And she doesn't want to answer that question. She doesn't want to use the word crisis, but she does admit that the crisis is Joe Biden's fault. First of all, one of the things I think is important is we've seen surges before. Surges tend to respond to hope. And there was a significant hope for a more humane policy after four years of, you know, pent up demand. So I don't know whether I would call that a coincidence, but I certainly think that the idea that a more humane policy would be in place may have driven people to make that decision. But perhaps more importantly, it definitely drove smugglers to express disinformation, to spread disinformation about what was now possible. So this is a, a you got to give credit to her. She's, she realizes she's trying to dance around it at the end, but you have to give credit to her for the honesty. They're saying, is this Biden's fault? She says, well, look, under Trump, they knew that the federal government, the illegal aliens knew that the federal government was going to do everything in its power to turn them away, to make it more difficult for them to violate our country's laws and enter this country illegally. So what happens? You, you disincentivize the illegal border crossings, you get fewer border crossings. Under Biden, people respond to hope, in her words. So Biden comes in and he says, yeah, man, I'm giving amnesty to 11 million people, 20 million people. You bet. Come on in. We're a generous country. We're going to stop building the border wall. We're going to stop enforcing much of our immigration policy. I'm going to nominate people to these positions who are pretty weak on immigration. And uh, guess what happens when you create that incentive? More people are coming over. Surges happen. Uh, every administration has these kinds of surges. But Joe Biden specifically has created incentives to encourage more people to come on over here. It's a great admission. Now, she then tries to qualify that and she says, 
but also the, the smugglers, they've now had an opportunity to spread disinformation, right? So trying to take the onus off of Biden and put it more on these smugglers and coyotes and those sorts of people. But even in the way she explains it, she's showing that the opportunity that the smugglers had to spread the disinformation about the new immigration policies, which is frankly, I think just information. I don't think it's disinformation. I do think Biden wants to give a mass amnesty. But even the opportunity to spread that kind of news is coming from the Biden administration. So you have it on the record. Watch that video because it's probably going to disappear at some point in the near future when the Biden administration wises up and realizes that this, this woman has admitted guilt on their behalf. Joe Biden himself doesn't want to answer very many questions at all. He's now gone, I think, 50 days, something like 50 days without a press conference. This is the longest stretch for a newly inaugurated president in modern history. He's blowing his competition out of the water. And he was asked about this at just a quick little COVID. He was giving a statement on COVID. He was not holding a press conference. He was asked about the press conference. Pretends not to hear the question. The surplus will. <laughs> he says, you don't need to hear the answer. It's just it's kind of silly. But he hears these two questions being shouted out. He's kind of wandering away. Where am I supposed to go? He does this a lot after he speaks. And he goes, hey, Mr. President, what about the surplus? And he's like still kind of wandering. And he's still listening. And then you're, Mr. President, when are you going to hold a press conference? He stops. He's like, ah, shoot. That's pretty loud. I, hmm. Well, you see the surplus, and he just ignores the question and pretends that he did not hear it because he doesn't have any good answers. One, I don't, I don't think he's capable any longer of uh, a- answering these difficult questions under fire. A younger Joe Biden was a little better at this because he's such a BS artist, but older Joe Biden, I mean, you see the guy sort of putter, puttering around the, the Oval Office or around these uh, podiums. It, it's a very sad thing to watch. So I don't think he's up for it. But also, even if he were, even if this guy were a used car salesman in, in, in his prime, he would not be able to give serious answers to these questions and to the, to the problems that he has created. So Joe Biden, not representing conservatives, not representing the majority of Americans who don't like what's going on at the southern border, Joe Biden also not representing very many people in his own party. There was a, a great clip going around of some young lib some young Democrat guy who he was on CNN and uh, was being asked about the Biden administration and what he thinks of things. And uh, all that kid wants to know is where is his stimulus money at? Young Democrats like Ben see a lot of promises unkept. They're putting that stimulus check on the back burner. They're putting the minimum wage hike on the back burner and they're dropping bombs in Syria right now. And those bombs are kind of expensive for a dude who owes me $2,000. That's a pretty good line. The, the impulse behind it is fairly perverse, but the line is pretty good. And it, and it gets to a criticism of Biden that many of us on the right have made, which is that the old left-right divide is, is kind of breaking down a little bit. This is why you hear the term woke on the left and red-pilled on the right. Is Both of these terms represent a sort of waking up out of a, a dreamlike state. And in, in this third political entity, you have what's called the uniparty. You know, some people refer to it as kind of the Bush people and the Biden people, and they're all kind of pursuing the same foreign policy. And the joke of it is that, you know, George Bush is terrible. He's a conservative. He's a Nazi, frankly. And then when Obama 
and Biden pursue his exact same foreign policy, they will say, well, you know, sure, but a woman released the bombs. Yes, but a gay Muslim uh, transgender person uh, was piloting the drone. You know, we had rainbow flags and BLM stickers on all of the bombs that were being dropped on the Middle East. So you see, it's very, very different. It's the same sort of excuse that Jen Psaki's giving, saying, no, yeah, we're doing the same thing that Trump did, but we're, we, we have good morals. You see, you're doing the same thing. What are you talking about? It's, uh, it's all just sort of lipstick on the pig of this consensus between the established right and the established left that people on the left and right, the more populist elements are saying, wait, we don't want that anymore at all. We still disagree with the left. We still disagree with the right. But, but whatever this establishment thing is, we certainly don't want that either. When consensus breaks down, when stability breaks down, often it's very good to have physical assets. That's why I really like Acre Gold. The price of gold has been skyrocketing lately. Now there is a way to buy gold through a company called Acre that will allow you to buy physical gold without having to shell out all that money at once. Acre will let you subscribe to gold bars for as little as $30 a month. But Michael, gold bars cost more than $30. Uh, They do. It's an ingenious way to to allow uh, more people to invest in physical gold. You pay each month. Once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they will discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. Just recently, Acre has introduced a new $100 a month subscription to a five gram gold bar. They they also, you know, there's an ammo shortage right now. So they've made a solid gold 24 karat nine millimeter bullet that you can buy right now. Can't find these anywhere. They're only making a thousand of them. Uh, you can't shoot it unless you're aiming at a werewolf. Then, then you can. But Michael, you don't you shoot gold bullets at werewolves. Uh, it sounds like you've never shot a werewolf. Visit getacregold.com slash Michael and start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. To qualify for the giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com slash Michael. Thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. The old left-right divide is breaking down a little bit. The, the left-right divide is not some permanent, uh, eternal uh, sort of way to understand politics. The left-right divide only comes about during the French Revolution, and it refers to people who were sitting on the left, and they, they were the radicals and the revolutionaries, and people who were sitting on the right, they were the more conservative elements. They wanted to preserve the monarchy. They wanted to preserve hierarchy and social order. So the way, the way that we use left and right, it can kind of change and circumstances change and the parties change too. And there's some issues that bring this up. So there was recently a, a poll out from a left-leaning poll source that shows that most people reject gender ideology specifically with regard to girls' sports. Most people do not think that men should be able to compete in girls' track meets and win their prizes and win their scholarships. How is this the issue that unifies people? Because if you think of all the big issues facing the country, most people, if you were just thinking about it for two seconds, you'd say, oh, girls' sports, I don't know, that's way, way down on the list. That barely matters at all. Except it represents so much of the rot that is at the heart of our entire politics. The reason that the transgender issue has been able to kind of crack up some of the left-wing consensus and has has aroused the passions of conservatives is not because we 
particularly care about women's sports. I don't, I don't know that I've ever watched women's sports. Maybe the Olympics are on, I'll say something, but very rarely. It's because it's so unjust and it's so obviously unjust and it is so out of whack with reality. When you see some big hulking dude running circles around the little girls running on the track court, you just know, oh, this isn't right. Well, you, and then some egghead, you know, liberal will say, well, no, but actually the way that the hormones in the body and the way that this, and the, the science shows, and you just say like, no, sorry, you can give me whatever egghead, ridiculous cockamamie explanation you want. I just know that's not right because you have all these very advanced social theories that you are combining with your social scientific theories to give me some explanation of why Husky Hank over there should be allowed to compete against all those little girls. But I have two eyes and I just know it's wrong. And I notice that the guys keep winning all the games. So it would seem that my two eyes are more reliable than your ridiculous theories. Among this, uh, the people surveyed, 59% support a ban of, and the wording here is key, a ban of uh, biological males from competing against biological girls in female athletics. 46% of women support a ban, so it's lower, but 34% oppose a ban, so far greater percentage support the ban. Among Republicans, it's about three to one. Democrats, 40% support a ban, 42% oppose a ban. So Democrats, identified Democrats, are the only people who slightly more oppose the ban. Independence, though, it's overwhelming. 49% support the ban, 33% oppose. Gen Z is about evenly split on this because they've been steeped in gender theory and because they're young and don't know what they're talking about yet. (laughs) Uh, Millennials, millennials who are often considered more liberal, more to the left in many ways than Gen Z, uh, overwhelmingly support the ban. Baby boomers, roughly around the same percentage. Actually, they're a little less likely to support the ban than millennials. So these numbers, you know, changing by generation, but that might change as people get older too. I also want to focus in here on the wording of this, of this, uh, the coverage here. So the coverage is, is referring to biological males and biological girls. I understand why people do that. I know a lot of conservatives who do that too, but I think it's a bad idea. I think it is mistaken. I think it is giving in to political correctness. There is no such thing as a biological male, as distinct from a spiritual male or a psychological male. There were just males. There's just dudes. Okay. And the reason people use this term biological male is they want to be very, very precise. And they want to make these arguments from biology. And they want to say that actually it's the physicality of the person. And the physicality is somehow different than the soul or the spirit. And that is the transgender argument. When you say the phrase biological male, you are making the transgender argument. The transgender argument is that there is a difference between one's biology and one's other identity. And the transgender people say that this other identity, this metaphysical identity, that's my true identity and my body has nothing to do with it. But when the right comes out and says biological males or biological girls, they're just making the flip side of that argument. They're saying, yeah, there's a difference between your biological identity and your other kind of identity, your spiritual identity, whatever you want to call it. But your true identity is your biological identity. But the actual conservative argument is that we are not split between our soul and our body. They're not completely separate entities. We are one entity. The the technical term for this is hylomorphic beings. 
right? The body and the soul are fused. We're, they're, in, they're inseparable on earth. And so it's, you, when, you, when you divide it up, even if you're dividing it up to argue with the left on the transgender question, you're actually giving them their argument. This is, hate to plug my book two times in a show, but this actually is kind of the, the argument here. This is what we do all the time on the right is even when we think we're fighting against the left, when we think we're fighting against political correctness and wokeism and cancel culture, we're just giving in. We're just giving in in a sort of different way that we're not even conscious of. We really ought to stop doing that because I do think we're in a moment of real political chaos and chaos breeds opportunity. There are things that are shifting here. If you got the majority of people see with their own two eyes, oh my gosh, wow, look how crazy this is. These, this left-wing ideology on gender is so nuts. What else is nuts about their ideas? This is a good opportunity to grab it, but we're not going to win that by acquiescing and giving in on an issue that is overwhelmingly in our favor because it's so clear. What this comes from is, uh, uh, you know, this minor, relatively trivial issue of the girls' sports comes from this broader issue, which is that we no longer want to admit that some things are normal and some things are abnormal. There are norms. There are standards. We, even on the right, we don't want to admit that. We want to say, well, you do you. You do whatever you want. You pursue your own appetites and desires. You be free as though that's really what freedom is. It's not. It's not even close to freedom. It's not what the founders thought freedom was. It's not what any sophisticated people have thought freedom is in our history. But it comes down to norms. It comes down to standards. Are you allowed to say, this is normal, this is not? We're not, and I'll give you a clear example of it. Dove, the soap, the, the company that makes Dove soap is now removing the term normal from its packaging because no, referring to shampoo, you know, do you have normal hair? Do you have some particular hair condition? Because normal is not inclusive enough. And they go further. They say, we know that removing normal alone will not fix the problem, but we believe it is an important step toward a more inclusive definition of beauty says uh, Sonny Jane, the president of Unilever's beauty and personal care division, which includes Dove. It's not inclusive. If I, if I say it's normal to have all of my appendages, right? It's a normal. That's, that's the norm. That's how it's supposed to be. Now, some people are born with deformities or they uh, suffer amputations or they have disabilities. And so there's something abnormal about their physique. This is not a reason to, uh, be rude to somebody. This is not a reason to ostracize somebody from society. Uh, but likewise, it is simply insane. It's, it's simply not true to say that it is normal. If you got uh, 10 fingers and 10 toes, that is the norm. That's the normal thing. That's how the body is supposed to be. A lot of people have nine fingers or 11 fingers, right? Now, as a proportion of society, not a lot of people have that, but a lot of people in the world have that. And that is a deviation from the norm. The way that we can have medical science is we know that there is something that is normal. We know there's some way the body is supposed to behave. And then when things go awry, that's how you know, okay, there's a problem here. Maybe we can treat it. Maybe we don't have to treat it. Maybe it's benign, but it's right. If you don't admit that there's a standard, you can't have any of that. You can't really have medical science. You can't have any kind of scientific discussion. You can't really communicate at all because you're not referring to some objective reality. That is in part why the, the transgender issue is so uh, at the top of our minds, even though it, it, as a psychological matter, it affects a very few, a small number of people. It is spreading as a social contagion, but the people who are really born with this condition 
or who develop it in a way that, that really messes up their life. Very small number of people. But the principle here is what the left is after. And it's why the left is so focused on this because the entire process of political correctness, wokeism, cancel culture, whatever you want to call it, is about upending the old norms. And if there are norms, then you can't, you, you cannot succeed in having upended those. One way to get a sense of uh, norms in your life is to recognize that there is such a thing as beauty. Some things are more beautiful. Some things are less beautiful. If you want beauty in your home, highly recommend paint your life. I cannot possibly overstate how impressed I am by paintyourlife.com. Paintyourlife.com, you send them a photo, maybe multiple photos of a family member, of a special place, of a pet or something. They will take that and create an actual hand-painted work of art. And uh, I like the oil paintings. They have other options as well. It makes a terrific wedding gift. I gave one to my stepbrother, but then I got one for myself of a family member of mine who had died. It is so beautiful. I can't tell you how impressed I am. They work with you every step of the way I was working on. Well, I don't know about the background. You got to change this. You got to change that. It's really unbelievable. And the, the value, the price is so, so good. At paintyourlife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. Right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. 20% off and free shipping. To get the special offer, text the word Michael to 64,000. That is Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L to 64,000. Text Michael to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text Michael to 64,000. Where is this attack on norms coming from? Because that's what this is about. The gender ideology the law and order of our country. It is, it is an attack on norms. We were promised with Joe Biden. We elect him. We're going to get the new normal. We're going to a return to normalcy. Well, yeah, we're getting the, the new normal is what we're getting. It's not normal at all. It's coming from an attack on the metaphysical foundations of our civilization. There was a, a guy in a turtleneck who went viral on TikTok the other day because he was claiming that Jesus, uh, Lord and Redeemer, second person of the blessed trinity uh, is a racist. Take a listen. Did you know that there's a part of the gospel of Mark where Jesus uses a racial slur? In Mark chapter 7, there's the account of the Seraphonician woman, a woman who is Syrian and Greek, both of which there were strong biases against within the Jewish community. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who's possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus's response? He says, it's not good for me to give the children's food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to dogs. He calls her a dog. What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus' mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is human. He had prejudices and bias, and when confronted with it, he was willing to do his work. And this woman was willing to stand up and speak truth. Is that what happened? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I've read the same gospel account. I, that's not exactly what happened as far as I, I can tell. Uh, what happens, of course, is uh, something like what he described happens, and then Christ says it's not, not fit to uh, give this to dogs. And she begs and she pleads. And she says in the gospel, according to St. Matthew, 
Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. She did not change Jesus's mind. Had uh, this young man gone on to read the gospel according to St. John, he would have known this because uh, John begins uh, very first lines uh, by proclaiming that uh, Christ is the divine logic of the universe. Logic itself, the word of God. So you can't change Christ's mind because he is logic. He is the reason, the fundamental reason that undergirds reality. Uh, Now he does show to this woman and to others uh, her faith. And uh, he does uh, show our brokenness and his grace. He does all of that. This wonderful, this cause to be rejoicing. It's cause to say, yes, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I, miserable sinner me, I will say with such gratitude that I have been redeemed through really no uh, help of my own other than uh, responding to God's grace with an act of faith. God comes to me like Christ was near this woman and she responds to that in an act of faith. And he says, oh, great, great is your faith. Be it done as you desire. Or you can say God is a racist. Those, those are the two options. The, the one option will save your soul and our entire civilization and built our entire civilization. The other option does really well on TikTok. <laughs> and uh, our culture seems to be choosing the latter. There are two particular heresies here that this guy is espousing. And the reason I, I mention it is because it, it pervades our political culture. The heresies are Arianism, which denies the divinity of Christ. Uh, there's a very famous account from the Council of Nicaea where St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, punches the arch heretic Arius in the face because he doesn't want to take it no more. And, uh, and the, other, the other heresy is Pelagianism, the idea that this woman earned her salvation uh, that you can earn your, your salvation through works, which sometimes uh, certain Protestant denominations accuse the Catholic Church of doing, uh, but it's not, that's just not true. The Catholic Church condemned the, the heresy of Pelagius many, many moons ago. These are heresies that have infected our modern culture. We deny divinity. We deny the divinity of Christ undergirding our civilization. And also we're really impressed with ourselves. And we think that we can uh, save ourselves Uh, This is the motivating principle behind communism, behind uh, so many of our modern ideologies. And it's, it uh, also speaks to our pride that we uh, have now used to be considered the queen of all vices. Now it's uh, elevated as such a high virtue that we have parades dedicated to pride. Speaking of actual issues with women, I have to touch on Andrew Cuomo here. Cuomo is being accused of aggressively groping a woman. So, you know, this has been trickling out again and again. First, a woman said, ah, he kind of looked at me wrong. Then, uh, then it was said, there was some video that Cuomo gave a hot dog to a reporter. And the reporter said, no, it's totally fine. It wasn't lecherous at all. And they said, no, it's sexual harassment. Then he kissed somebody maybe. Then he looked at someone the wrong way again. Now he's being accused of aggressively groping some woman. Why are these trickling out so steadily, so gradually as they are? Because I don't really take this scandal all that seriously. It seems pretty contrived to me. The real scandal, as we have been pointing out on this show from the minute these, these uh, accusations started to break, the real scandal is COVID. Democrats don't want to talk about it. 
they want to push this guy to the side uh, for a reason that they won't really have to answer for, right? This sort of sexism or something like that. Uh, that is maybe going to work. You know, Cuomo's on the ropes, though I have said, don't count this guy out. From the very beginning, when everyone said he's completely dead, do not count this guy out. This guy is a fighter. He's a survivor. He's been a political animal his whole life. I think he's really bad for the state of New York. And I say this as having been one of his constituents. I was his waiter one time. I, I guess I actually have a couple funny Andrew Cuomo stories. Uh, I don't think he's good for New York, but I do, I do have a grudging respect for him. And I don't know that you can count him out yet. And that's why he's going to force the issue on impeachment. He's not, not going to resign because the, there's this morality play. It goes right back to what we were talking about with Jen Psaki. They're trying to take the moral high ground by talking about some contrived sex thing. Where's the morality on the nursing homes? Where's the morality on the actual COVID response? Where's the morality? More broadly, the Democratic governors were the worst on COVID. Republican governors did the best on COVID. Look at Cuomo. Look at DeSantis. Where is the real morality? Or is it all just words, words, words? You know, speaking of great words, you got to check out Drew Clavin's book, The Final Installment in Another Kingdom. I really think the world would be a much better place and your lives would all be much better. All of our lives would be much better if we made more time to read books rather than just scroll all the time. This is something that I struggle with myself. Well, got a great recommendation for you. The New York Times bestselling author and renowned podcast host, Andrew Clavin, has this uh, latest and final book in the Another Kingdom series, The Emperor's Sword. It's now available for purchase online. The, it's, it's really superb. I have been involved intimately in Another Kingdom since the beginning because I have voiced all of the characters on the podcast. How, that's how we first released it. Before there was a physical book, before there were audiobooks, we did the podcast. It jumped up the charts. We continued the second season and the third. I've gotten to voice it the whole way. The books get better as they go. First one I think is really terrific. The third one is the best. Uh, you, you can also get the audio book and you can listen to your very favorite podcast host, <laughs> voicing that as well. Not just the podcast, but also the audiobook. Go check it out. Also, you heard us announce on election night. Now the wait is over. Candace Owens is premiering her new Daily Wire show. Candace. Candace is also known for being a founder of the Blexit Foundation, which looks to change the narrative surrounding America's minority communities. Not to mention, she is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Blackout, how black America can make its second escape from the Democrat plantation. Join Candace every week as she covers a host of different topics from the latest trends to hard-hitting news. Get to know the real Candace. Funny, authentic, and insightful. Find out why the left loves to hate her by going to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace for 25% off. I sat down with my friend Candace Owens uh, just a couple days ago to talk about uh, her new show, everything that's in the news. Take a listen. I am joined now by my friend, Candace Owens. Candace, I can't help but notice you are a woman. You're black. Woman you, of color. A, well, I'm sorry, a woman of color. Thank you. You are famous. You are American. You married a Brit. And yet, you turned out great. What was your secret and where did Meghan Markle go wrong? Meghan Markle went wrong a lot of ways. Uh, first and foremost, she is a Hollywood leftist. That's all mm. you need to know. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And this story, this whole, everyone was like, you know, why did you get into this? Like, why is this get, you know, really get under your skin? Because I married an Englishman. 
you know, my husband's father was in the House of Lords, yeah. and it is was that, that's like uh, like being a mechanic or something. I don't know. Is that like a, <laughs> a, an electrician shop somewhere yeah, exactly, in the UK? Right? Okay, yeah. Um, and so it was definitely a learning curve for me, even when I met my husband going to England. And there's just like different sets of rules. Their society yeah. is very traditional, right. and I was just. I loved it. You know, I loved stepping into someone's culture and not trying to change it. And this is this thing about the left that drives me crazy is that they just have no appreciation for tradition. They have no appreciation for history. It's why they think that everything between Los Angeles and New York needs to be, is backwards. Right. Right. And, the flyover. and, and yeah. yeah, the flyover. Right. Yeah. It needs a makeover. Um, and for her to just do that, to go to this country with all of their traditions and the queen, of course, being so significant, the meaning of her of just to, to have been sitting on the throne for that long and having uh, with decades. dignity, with, with dignity. grace. Yes, right. and she has seen the country through so much. And to do what they did, just cheapen that and say, well, it's racism. This is the reason we had to leave. It's racism. Meghan Markle, look black to you. Did anybody look at her and say, oh, Harry's dating a black woman? My mother, seriously, my Sicilian mother was much darker than Meghan Markle. Yeah. You, would, you would have no idea. She has that thing in Hollywood, they call it ethnically ambiguous, right. where you can play sort of any right. role. She could have played an Indian woman right. in films. She could have said that she, she could have said she was mixed race. I would have bought that. She could have definitely said she was Italian. Yeah. She has freckles. You know, I, I, you could have just think that, you know, it's, it's completely obscure. And yet she she's like, you know, I'm less than 25% black, but I've realized that because I'm getting bad press, I can say the bad press is because I'm right. less than 25% black. Because you, there is this purity test. Every time they write a hit piece, they say, well, is there any black in this person? Well, that's the reason we're going we're gonna to write a horrible piece about them. And especially being me, because I have a public profile, and as you know, they have written... So many bad really things nice about me. Things. Really All nice things. Like that time they accused me of a mosque, mosque That's shooting right. in New Zealand. That's right. I've never even been to New Zealand. Yeah. I don't even write about mosques or Muslims or anything, but they were like, Candace did this. I woke up, worldwide news. I had people in France, like in China, and yeah. people were asking me for comments everywhere. And I don't think I have ever once said this bad press is because I'm black. So it's yeah. just, it's such a... There's a cowardice. Well, it's to just, it. And it's such an excuse. I said there was a great headline in the Babylon Bee said, Meghan Markle inspires millions of girls by showing that no matter how rich, beautiful, and famous you are, you too can be oppressed. Right. You know, she's and, oppressed. And she's sitting yes. across from Oprah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she's, they've been living in a, a, actually, I think at some point they were at Tyler Perry's $100 million home somewhere, flying on his planes. And you really want me to buy that you were chased out of the country because I guess yeah. you were less than 25% black. And then the, the richest part of the story, is them claiming that Archie wasn't given a title because he was black. Has anyone seen a picture of Archie? And I say this seriously. If you believe that Archie suffered anti-black racism, then I'm a Nigerian prince and I just need your credit card details. And uh, you're going to see right. me Just look at a picture, right? Stranded just island. This, you know, I'm so glad to hear this is your take on this because I have to say I was a little frustrated. I understood it, but I was frustrated with the conservative reaction to this, which is, who cares about the royal family? Right. I stopped caring about them in 1776. To me, that argument falls flat because th the royal family represents this long conservative tradition right. in the United Kingdom. And to me, I think the reason the Meghan Markle story has really got you excited, kind of excited a lot of us, is because it's this awful sort of modern millennial idea that Everything in the past is bad right. and wicked and racist is the word for that. Mm -hmm. And I, no matter what privileges I have, we all are so privileged. I am actually a victim and you all need to feel bad for me. And the minute that I can't do exactly what I want to do, this woman 
chose to marry into the royal family. It's not like it was a blind date. Right. It's not like on the third date, Harry said, oh, you know, darling, I have, I have something I have to tell you. you <laughs> I haven't told you about my job yet. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she didn't, it's not as though she thought his first name were Prince, you right. know, like the musician, right? <laughs> they, she knows who he is. And she chose to do this. Oh, well, you know, what's up? She said she never Googled him. No, no. They got, when he got down on one knee, that's when that's she was right. like, oh my gosh, he's a prince. And wow. she found out it was Princess Diana's. And even that is so absurd. Michael, I Google everyone. Yeah. Forget, I'll, I'll get in the car with an Uber driver and I'll be like, what's your name? Just check this background <laughs> here, make sure things are quick, okay. Uh, You're gonna uh, tell me you went on a date and you didn't Google, you didn't right. LinkedIn profile. This is what we do. Like, yeah. and, this is, and especially her, who a big piece of the story that's missing, she went to the UK with the intention of marrying up. She yeah. had a PR person who wrote an entire piece. She hired a public relations firm to try to get um, to start dating a football player. So, so that was her thing. She was like, okay, they found a football player. She, she was really trying to get a date with them. Here, yeah. Right, exactly. And she landed on a prince. And, you know, Piers Morgan, who I really can't stand, but he talks about how he reached out to her and she kept saying she wanted to get involved in the circles because it just wasn't working for her in America. It wasn't working for her in Canada. So she was like, okay, let me try, let me try England. But she had no idea who Prince Harry or Prince William or Kate Middleton, she just missed that whole thing. Right, of course. Um, she just wow. was there. What are the odds? Yeah. What are the odds? Did you see what she described herself as? Because we should talk about that. Well, I didn't watch the interview, but she said she felt like the little mermaid who fell in love with a prince and lost her voice. If only. I know. Right? If only. Right. I mean, so, <laughs> just try to think of this a straight face like she did. Let me try. I felt like, you know, the little mermaid <laughs> who went over and found a prince and fell in love and lost my voice. It's just as believable <laughs> as, you, as you say this on air, of course. And yeah. did you, uh, my favorite part, as she's saying these sorts of things, uh, occasionally Harry would try to say, well, you notice, shh, shh, get out of here, Harry, stop it. <laughs> Don't listen to it, listen to, camera on me, folks. Oh, she's so unbearable. And yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the fact that a lot of conservatives were so dismissive. I hate that because, you know, we so often talk about how the left is ignorant, yeah. right? To not try to understand what it is about the royals that is so significant. It is Bingo. not just like, yeah. oh, I'll praise them because they're kings and queens and princesses. It really isn't about that. What they represent yeah. um, is, is history, mm -hmm. right? And that is what they love about them is that these people, they never issue political statements. They don't just go where the wind blows. Mm -hmm. And there is something about Americans, even the conservative Americans, that we have this strand of progressivism because, listen, look, our country was built on that, right? We were built on kind of tearing down traditions. And sometimes, yes, traditions need to be torn down. Um, but where we're at today, where you have no appreciation for anything, yeah. and that is why hashtag abolish, you know, which they're so dumb, they're like abolish the monarchy as if the monarchy has any power anymore. But, right. um, and they, and actually they abolish the royal family is where we're at because they just want everything torn down, newer, faster, and they want the world to look like whatever Hollywood um, singers and actresses think that it ought to look well, th like. Well, this was it. it it's sort of, this woman seemed that she wanted to play a Disney princess more than she wanted to be an actual princess. And, and how true is that of so much of our society? You know, Edmund Burke, the great conservative philosopher, his big distinction between the American Revolution and the French Revolution was that the American Revolution was kind of conservative. It didn't destroy right. everything, right? Whereas the French Revolution really did destroy yeah. everything. And so there, there was always this sense in America that we want to really we want to be the real thing you know right. we there is a there is a kind of tradition here and uh, we didn't we didn't want to become this really shallow abstracted culture that unfortunately it seems like we're becoming right. and, and you know the, you hear so often from conservatives we need to take back the culture we need to fight back in the culture well 
you know, in order to do that, we're going to need to get really serious, and we're not. We're going to have to start saying like, no, right. don't do that. That's mm -hmm. a that is a bad thing. To, you know, we need to defend an older set of standards. Right. I think too often. Um, we meet people in the middle, and, and, and it's such an easy game. But there's wait, there's actually an expression that you used to talk about when it, what is the Overton theory, right? Yeah, Where, the Overton window. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's exactly what the left is doing. It's brilliant, yeah. right? They're just they say something so extreme, like yeah. here we are, and and they say something so extreme that they're like, men can give birth. Yeah. I'm like, no, they can't. No, they can't. But eventually, we say, okay, please don't say that. We'll meet you halfway. We, and you now know, we're inching closer to where they are. You know how we do this? We <laughs> always we always say, look, men men can't give birth, right? Men are not women. But then we start edging in this way when we'll start saying, so and so is a biological male. Right. And it's like, no, it's a he's man. Just, he's just a man. He's just he's, a man. He's, he's not just like a man. he's not like a psychological woman, but a bi it's just right. it's just one thing. But right. we, because we start to be conciliatory. Guess what? You look up ten years later, and you're way. That's far exactly, down the and that's line. what's happened. That's yeah. literally what's happened, especially in this last decade, is that we just keep meeting them halfway. But the halfway is also it, it's always moving towards their ridiculously far left point. And right. I think that there needs to be more. People say to me, "Oh, Candace, you're so far right." I'm like, actually, I'm just right. Right? I'm just <laughs> right. right. I'm actually almost in the middle. Yes. Because you guys have gone so crazy. Ten and, years and, ago, and, you would have been considered normal. a centrist, a, a centrist, normal, a normal, a normal person, human right. being, like you know, when we accepted that men and women were men and women, <laughs> and now you're actually being called a bigot. I mean, yesterday, yeah. International Women's Day, the ACLU tweets about uh, saying, you know, trans women are women. On International Women's Day, <laughs> you said men are women. That's the what said. That's the what patriarchy says. strikes you know back. I mean? yeah. Trans woman it means man, right? This is a different word for man. So you just tweeted out, and in order to celebrate women, let me tell you how much men you, can be women. You know, though, you're, you're being modest here, and this is actually something I'm very <laughs> excited for about your show, Candace, <laughs> right, which is launching, is that you, right, you're just saying sort of normal things. <laughs> I don't, and I don't think anything you're saying is extreme, but. Most people do not have the cojones to do it. Right. Talking about men and women, right. most people don't have the guts to do it. And you, I, I don't know what it is because we've been friends for years. You know, I, I remember you back in the in the old timey days on YouTube, <laughs> and you more than just about anybody have been able to withstand this onslaught from the left and throw it back in their face and not let them cancel you. And right. it's really uh, I. I don't know how, you, how you've done it. I just hope that I show people that there's no consequence, you know, for telling the truth. And, and you just, just say it. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. They can only cancel you so many times, right? Once they went to, once I there. survived, like, being accused of a mosque shooting in New right. Zealand, I was like, okay, well, where do we go from here? Like, what else are you going to accuse me of right. here, right? right? That's a great point. Um, and so I think that I've just bounced back and I've been unapologetic, which is the most important thing. Hmm. Don't say sorry. Don't say sorry because yeah. you, once you start saying sorry to the left, you will never stop saying sorry to the left, right? Because it's not about them needing an apology. They need, they want pure capitulation. They yeah. want to make sure you capitulate to everything they say. What they're seeking actually is their own kind of monarchy, right? Yeah. Like they're they're yeah. seeking to rule over you, your opinions, your <laughs> right. ideas. And their established and church. Exactly. They're, they're that is their established church. They they seek for you to be their peasants. And the second you say sorry, you become that. Well, this so is I just say, don't say sorry. Speaking of the church, I mean, this is something I've really struggled with. I think you're completely right. But look, as a Christian, I, I want to apologize when I feel I've done something wrong. I have no problem doing that. To, oh, miserable sinner that I am, I, I really don't mind it. Except I know that's not really what it is. Yeah, that's no. not, when you apologize to the left, it's not, first of all, they're not seeking that in mm -mm. good faith. It's beating a dog into submission. Yes, you know that, is, I mean? that is what it is. Yeah. It's sort of, uh, it's unfortunate because I'd, I'd love to be in a society where I'd say, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that, sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because I did an interview the other day and they said to me, sort of in preparation for the show, like, is there anything that you look back on in the past that that you're sorry for, like things that you've tweeted and things of that nature? And I said, no. And I said, because I want to give permission to people that are following me to know that you're allowed to change your mind. Yeah. Remember this thing where we used to Mm. grow up? Like, you know, a long time ago, I used to think Barbies were the coolest thing. And then all all day, society should be run by us playing Barbies in the room. That was Candace at four years old. Am I allowed to evolve from that position without apologizing for my past? Well, I love it. You know, (laughs) people throw this at you a lot. They'll say, you used to be left wing, but now you're conservative. Ha ha, I got you. Yeah. I, I got a couple of brain cells. I opened a book. You know what I mean? I opened a book and I'm like, it's it's just so ridiculous. And right. what what is so alarming about that sort of a culture, like forget us, like we're adults, we're old, we have kids now, right? Yeah, we're you and old, I, man. We're old people I'm now. Getting, I'm trying to get fat too. But think I about wanna, kids. I'm already old, but I want to be old and fat. Think about kids, how hard it is to be a kid today yeah. when you are being told that if you make a mistake, you're done, you're over, you're canceled. You know, you say one wrong thing. When I was a kid, we didn't have yeah. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, so I could just be a crappy human being for one day and say horrible things and then the next day be like, oh, you know, that didn't feel too good. I'm going to be someone different today. And I was allowed to grow. That's what growing up is. You learn because you do things wrong. Even toddlers, they're violent. Toddlers are throwing things down. You know what I mean? <laughs> violent are. human beings. They think through things and they just, they choose violence every day, toddlers, right? Even my cute little newborn, yeah. you know, he, he'll throw punches at same, me. You yeah, know? Same, yeah, same thing. I and it's think, like now the left yeah. is like, you are exactly who you are when you are two is when you are four. Candace, when Candace, three years ago in politics, I've pretty much grown up politically, publicly, right. you know, has to, you know, make apologies or make amends. No, if I said it then, I meant it then. But if I've transformed my opinion, here's why. This is what it looks like better, to grow right? up. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The, you, you know, if if I had social media when I was <laughs> 11 or 12. Canceled. Could you? Yeah. Could you imagine? And the that, show that right stuff, now is there forever. But I love it because it takes a lot of gumption to be able to say, yeah, oh, I thought this thing a few years ago. Yeah. yeah and now guess what? I've matured. I've right. educated myself. Maybe that's something we can all do as a culture as well. You know, right. one great way people can do that? Tuning into Candace on yeah. the Daily Wire. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be fabulous. I'm so excited. Yeah, for I'll be show. issuing tons of non-apologies when I people are write. offended. I will the next day. I mean, even seeing that tail in between the legs, copy and pasted apology that so many people do. Like yeah. you know, like they say one thing and then it's suddenly like the next day on their show they're like, you know, you know, I want to apologize for some things that I said that made perfect sense, but I see, I hear you that you're offended, so therefore <laughs> yeah. uh, we're all growing. And it's just like Never shut up, it. just say I'm sorry you were offended. Yeah. And. <laughs> There, Maybe there, don't watch my show. There have been a few times that there, where there's been a lot of pressure to give the apology. And I think there's an old Sicilian expression, just a little yeah. just a <laughs> flick underneath your chin. That's what I think about it. Yeah. Uh, my dear, I can't wait for the show to start. Everybody's got to tune in and watch it. Candace on The Daily Wire. I will be eagerly watching it just from right across the way. And I'll, I'll see you around the uh, office water cooler. <laughs> Love it. Ta-da. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. 
The right celebrates a new poll showing a majority approval for laws banning men from women's sports. Alabama passes an abortion ban. A new left-wing autonomous zone pops up in Minneapolis. The soap company Dove has decided to stop using the word normal in its advertising. And a feminist writer is worried that stay-at-home moms might be setting a bad example for their children. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.